This morning I asked for walk-up music. That was it. So, um, Good morning, Hope Church. My name is Stephen Hughes. Uh, as Greg uh, had mentioned, I am the youth director. If you haven't met me yet, um, that's what I do. Or if you're new here this morning, um, that's where I'm at. That's what I do here at Hope. Um, I also have been in charge of doing our creative media with Steve gone. He was doing it whenever we were first in this. And then he passed that on to me, and uh, I've been loving doing it. So if, you're see- if you've been seeing our online service, uh, we've had a team that I've been leading there, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, this morning, we- we've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, and we are in a series called Intentional Faith, which is fantastic because our faith has to be intentional. Um, so that is being intentional and growing with our walk. Okay, hold on. Before I get started. You have to understand that I work with youth, and I feed off of energy, okay? So I will ask you to interact multiple times throughout this message. A simple raising of hand, maybe like a hallelujah from Mark Walker in the back or something, you know, uh, that's what we're going for. Um, But that's that's just real quick. And also I want to talk about, um, just to give credit where it's due, um, Greg has been super gracious at letting me speak this morning, but he's also been, meticulously, we've been working through this message together. So although I am delivering it, uh, Greg had a huge part of like guiding me through it and helping me clear it up and provide clarity. Um, So I just want to say thank you for your guidance there and that here at Hope Church, that is what we do. And I think that is a symbol of how we are supporting uh, our members and our congregation. Uh, So I am very grateful. So I thank you. Um, But anyway, so uh, we are talking about um, the Holy Spirit recognizing our spiritual leadership. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit that comes and he leads us, right? And it, it seems obvious to entrust God with things like peace in our lives, how to love our neighbor, how we do better, you know, with maintaining our time. Um, But this morning, we're going to focus on three things that emphasize the Holy Spirit being our spiritual leader. Number one, the Holy Spirit works inwardly so we can work outwardly. Number two, the Holy Spirit is essential, not an add-on. And number three, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate authority figure in our lives. So if you have a notebook, we don't have an outline, but if you have a notebook, if you want to jot those down, we'll wait. All right, sweet, let's get started. So the Holy Spirit works inwardly so we can work outwardly. So I had this friend in high school who used to brag and boast all the time about being an atheist, which is fine, no problem there. Um, But he would justify it by saying, I just simply can't believe in things that I can't see. How do you know oxygen exists, man? Well, we began to have this reputation in our class as a guy who has to see it to believe it. We would poke fun at him. It continued all throughout high school. But when we became seniors, we decided we wanted to pull this prank on him. So we started to tell him that there was this pool on the third floor of our high school. There's a lot wrong here, right? Obviously, our school didn't have a pool. And if, it, if our school did have a pool, it definitely wouldn't be located on the third floor, Right? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, But we figured if enough people believed it, if enough people were trying to convince him that this were true, that he would be all over it. So one day we start to tell him, 
first and second period, hey, we're all going to go hit up the third, third story pool today. Like, you got to come with. And he's like, there's no, there's no pool on the third floor. So it continues. Everyone's starting to talk about it. Second and third period. By fourth period, he's starting to question himself. He's starting to go, has there been a pool on the third floor that I have not known about for years? So many people are talking about it. All of a sudden, some people show up back from lunch with, like, beach towels and swim trunks and pool toys, pool noodles. Like, and we are hyping him up. He is, he's like, this has got to be legit. So seventh period bell rings. We all start walking. We're walking with them. We're joking. Some people are going to change and coming back. And we're like, hey, let's take a pit stop in the gym real quick. Because, like, for whatever reason. And so we walk into the gym, and everyone's there in pool attire. I wish I had a picture. Everyone's there in pool attire with a banner that just reads, you got to see it to believe it. And his face was priceless. He was like, so there's no pool? Um, He's so embarrassed, but it was harmless, and we had a good laugh, and it is in the yearbook. That's why I should have got the picture. You see, in our spiritual walk, we tend to do this with the Holy Spirit. We've disassociated with the Holy Spirit's ability to impact our lives externally on a daily basis. If you've been a Christian for some time, you know that the Holy Spirit can work inwardly. You felt the Holy Spirit move in your heart. You felt the Holy Spirit in our midst, right? But we have to understand that everything that happens to us internally has to then be met with external action. So I'm going to say something, and this is for you to jot down in your notebooks or whatever you're using on your phone, tablet. I'll say star thought, and then I'll say my star thought. Right? Jackie knows, right? That's that's what we do. So star thought, the Holy Spirit's ability to work in our lives is dependent on our obedience to where the Spirit is leading you. So let me give you an example of that. There's a story in the Bible about a guy named Philip. It's located in Acts 8, 26 through 40, if you want to pull it up yourself. So Philip is this leader in the early church of Jerusalem, right? And one day God directs Philip to travel down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And on this road, he sees this Ethiopian eunuch who had been seeking God through the scriptures. The eunuch is having a hard time understanding the scripture, so the Holy Spirit directs Philip to go over to his chariot and explain it to him. So the scripture says that Philip ran to him. And I'm not a theologian, but if there's one thing I know about men in the Bible times, is that you don't run. Not appropriate. Absolutely not. You know, you got sandals or flip-flops on, whatever, maybe you're barefoot. But for no reason did a man ever run. So I'm just imagining Philip, this guy, he's doing what he's told. He stops dead in his tracks, sees his chariot, and takes off full force. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's telling him to do. He then goes on to ask the eunuch if he understands what he's reading. And I love this reply because it's so blunt and it's so relevant. The eunuch replies, he says, how can I understand unless someone guides me? The eunuch then invites Philip to come up into his chariot with him. Philip explains his scripture, and then the eunuch is taken to be baptized. 
See, when you receive the Holy Spirit, there is purpose. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power. That's the purpose. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, also purpose, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. See, the Holy Spirit, while works inwardly is great, while he creates those spiritual movements in our heart, it is what also gives us the power to be witnesses, to do things that we are not capable of doing on our own. Romans 8.27 tells us that the Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. And star thought, we can be confident that when we respond externally to how the Spirit moves internally, we are furthering the kingdom of God. So part two, uh, point two, the Holy Spirit is essential. He's not an add-on, right? So I am not a bells and whistles kind of guy. Um, I am bare necessities. We are... Um, recording all of our online stuff with a mic and a cell phone, and that's it, and a tripod. Um, but I have a really good friend, and some of you may know him. His name is Chris Van Horn, and uh, he is the complete opposite of the spectrum. You see, with everything that Chris does, he has to get the extras. So if we go to a restaurant, he wants all the extras, all the toppings. If we go buy a new computer, or if we go buy a new computer, he's getting all the extras, making it all fancy, putting in all the LED lights, whatever. He got a car, and he immediately went and installed, like, a brand new sound system in it. He is the epitome of bells and whistles. Um, I, am bare, I am bare minimum, but I am not a minimalist. Um, if you watch TV, you may have heard of a channel called HGTV. I, I can't say it. It's so hard for me to say. Um, do I have any HGTVers in here? Okay, we got a couple. Okay, we got some elbows over there. Um, if you watch that channel, you may have heard of a show called Tiny House Big Living. This is when they take this tiny little house and transform it into like super fancy. It's still small, but it looks great inside. It has everything that you could possibly need everything that you want, um, with that tiny space. And what they're able to do, granted they have a bigger budget than you and I, but what they're able to do is still incredible, right? They transform essentially nothing, something tiny, into something. Doing incredible things on what appears to be the bare minimum. My daughter's growling at me. If we were attempting to break down the bare minimums of Christianity, being led by the Holy Spirit may not be the most obvious thing to us. Some of the bare minimums we might think about are uh, creation, the fall of man, the birth of Jesus, the death and resurrection, the spreading of the gospel, etc. These are the things that when you were maybe sharing um, Christ with someone, these are the things that you talk about. But while these are all right on the money, so is the first moment that we see the Holy Spirit. In Mark 1.10, we see, uh, it says this, when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. This is Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And then in verse 12, it says that the Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. That's 
just to touch on how the Spirit works outwardly. Immediately the Spirit comes and drives Jesus out into the wilderness, right? You see, Jesus' time here on earth was accompanied by the Holy Spirit after his baptism. And in John 3.34, it says that God gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. Okay, I love, here's my theological nerd out stuff. I love to go to Bible Gateway. Any Bible Gatewayers in here? Got some issues? Bible Gateway will show you every translation of the verse in every Bible or book that's ever been printed out of all time. So that's one of my things is I will look up a verse and go see all the translations to see how it's different. Right? And, and these are some of the ones. My other theological things is I like to find Christian metal bands and decipher the lyrics to see if they're actually Christian. I do that too. Um, but one of the things that the Bible Gateway shows us is how it can also be translated or interpreted. So I, 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 I wrote down a few of them that I wrote here. I, I forgot to do a slide for it. But in the complete Jewish Bible, it says that Jesus did not, um, Jesus received a spirit with unlimited degree. A lot of extra versions, I don't know what um, you're reading, but a lot of versions will say fully, or Jesus received the spirit without limit. But my favorite is in the Amplified Bible. It says that God gave him the spirit's power boundlessly. We know that Jesus uh, had to die and be raised so that we would be free from our sins and spend eternity with him in heaven. But also, Jesus had to go be with the Father so that the Spirit could come and dwell among us. John 16, 7 says that we would receive the same power that Jesus had here on earth. And I'm not sure about you. I'm not sure if it's humility of my sin. I'm not sure if it's fear of that level of power. Uh, But... Part of me makes, part of me gets really uncomfortable when I hear that. That I would have the same power that Jesus. How am I to be entrusted with the same power that Jesus had? Surely I would fail to meet those expectations, right? Surely there's no way I can use that power at the same level that Jesus could. But in John 14, 12, this is so important. Jesus assures his disciples that they will do the works he does and even greater works because he is going to the Father knowing full well that meant the Holy Spirit could come dwell among us. Star thought Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit was essential for him during the time he spent here on earth. He knew it was essential to die, to be buried, and to be risen because he knew that giving us the Holy Spirit was essential to our faith. And my last point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate authority figure in our lives. So I'm going to share with you a quote that you might have heard before, you might not have heard. Um, But it says this, A leader is someone who knows the way, who goes the way, and who shows the way. This quote's from H. Reginald Buckler. I like that name, Reginald. He writes this in his 1889 spiritual treatise titled, The Perfection of Man by Charity. But if you were to Google this quote right now, go. Christian's on it. 
Oh, he's just texting during my own thing. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> if you were to Google this quote, you would see a name uh, pop up underneath it, uh, John Maxwell. Um, and if you, if you don't know who John Maxwell is, he is a pastor, but he's also written many secular books about leadership and about um, the workplace and about how to strive and how to um, be the best leader that you can be. So he uses this quote. Um, but in the context that Buckler is writing it, he is highlighting how to abandon worldly things and walk in the way of divine knowledge and love. Buckler then goes on to ask the questions, what is the way we have to know to go and to show? What is the way we as leaders, we as someone who is maybe you're a leader in your workplace, maybe you're a leader in school. What is the way we have to know to go and to show? He says, assuredly, the way of perfection. Or as he later states, the perfect love of God. Now, we can't get there on our own, right? You've probably experienced uh, in your life some amazing leadership. You've probably seen, you probably had a great boss in work or school, not in school. You probably had a great teacher in school, maybe a great counselor, a great coach. But you've also probably had terrible leadership, right? You've probably had some bad teachers, some bad bosses, some bad coworkers, um, bad principals, you know, whatever. Um, and we can dissect those two things for hours. But the two things that we can focus on is that good leadership breeds trust and comfort. When you are in a place of good leadership, you, you feel like you're comfortable and that you can trust that leader. And when you are in a place with broken leadership, it breeds doubt and suffering. Not only do you doubt your own abilities, but you doubt, you doubt the ability of that leader. You doubt the ability of that leader's decisions. Leadership on our own will always become broken because we are imperfect. Even when we strive for good leadership, even when we're at the cusp of it, start thought, if we are not striving to be led by the Holy Spirit, we miss the mark every time. I've been doing these uh, devotional videos for our students uploaded to YouTube every Monday on the Hope Houston Youth Channel. Go ahead and subscribe. Um, I mentioned in one of my videos that for every 10 minutes that a driver spends on the road, they follow an average of 100 rules. That's kind of astounding numbers, right? You're probably like, uh, 10, 15. Some of us, I know Jack probably follows none of them, but you drive that truck, so I got you. But when you're off the road, you arrive at home, you arrive at your destination, you get out of your car, those rules no longer apply. Right? There's no stoplights in your house. Maybe there should be. Um, there's no turn signals on your shopping carts. Maybe there should be. Um, but we, we do the same thing to our spiritual authority. When we step out of a spiritual place, or we step out of church, or we step out of really where we don't want God, right? 
um, we flip the switch of what rules we follow and what we don't. When we decide to follow them, or even how closely we follow certain teachings. Star thought, but when the Holy Spirit becomes our ultimate authority figure, that applies to every aspect of our lives. When the Holy Spirit is leading you, 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 you don't get to make those decisions. You don't get to step away from that. You don't get to maybe choose and pick and choose what you follow and what you don't. The Holy Spirit leads you in the direction that he wants you to go. Psalms 143.10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God, and may your good spirit lead me on level ground. While by, you know, we have great examples of authority here on earth. There are great leaders, you know, great, great examples of leaders here on earth. Um, not, not doubting that, not questioning that. But nothing compares to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Nothing compares to the authority of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I said a name earlier, John Maxwell. Who had heard of that name before I said it? Okay, got a couple people. So John Maxwell is a pastor, um, but he also has written several books about leadership. And he is, in like 2007, he is telling this story to Hillsong United Church. And uh, he's, he's telling the story of a conference that he does. And after each session, a couple of the attendees would come up and ask him, John, where are you getting your material? It is so good. Like, we got to know. John's like, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me. Or if I tell you, you won't want anything to do with me. I guarantee it. So John does another session. The same attendees come up a little bit more. They're like, John, you got to tell us where you're getting that you got to tell us where you're getting that stuff. It's so good. we got to take it back to our workplace. we got to take it back to our hometowns. John tells him again, you, don't, you really don't want to know. You, you really will not believe me. Finally, a third time they come up, and John's like, okay, you know what? At this cocktail hour, I'm going to be here in the corner. You can come find me. I will explain everything to you off the books. You can walk away. You can you know, choose to listen. You can choose to accept it. Um, but I'll explain everything there. So they get to this cocktail hour, and John's there in the corner. He's like the first one there. And immediately he sees this huge crowd coming at him. And he's like, oh, no. He's like, they're going to hate me. So they come up. They're like, hey, we brought some of our friends, you know. Um, And so John finally starts to tell them, hey, I, I... I get, I get my stuff from the Bible. Jesus is the ultimate example of that. And the attendees, instead of being turned off and going, I've, I should have known better, they are so interested. They're like, the Bible? Really? He's like, yeah. John then uh, starts just leading them to Christ one by one. Starts just explaining the love of Christ, explaining the gospel, and how uh, Jesus is the ultimate example for our lives, and that we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper, and that he will teach us all things. So it's not like a flip a switch that it's just all of a sudden you become brand new. It's a daily struggle. But we all get that helper when we receive Christ. We just have to allow him that ultimate authority over those things. 
So being intentional about being led by the Holy Spirit made me think that I needed to reevaluate what I was being called to do as a Christian. So I came up with this panel of questions that I sent to my peers. Here are, here are the seven ones that I asked them, um, my spiritual evaluation questions, just to kind of, one, challenge myself and to get an idea of where, where, where they were. So I just asked a couple of my peers to, um, if they would be comfortable answering some questions and if I could use those questions um, in my sermon. And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, so you can kind of read through those. I won't take up your time and read through them. Um, but I wanted to highlight a few of their answers. So on, on question four, I asked, what is your biggest struggle or doubt with Christianity? Should be a slide for it. Yeah, there we go. Um, and here, here's what he says. I put a few of the highlights, but the full thing is my main struggle is with complacency throughout various aspects of my life through work, entertainment, and walking with God. Complacency and the lack of drive when God is not the only focus is my struggle. I find myself either giving 100% or 10%. I find myself throughout my walk with God in my life as either trying to be on the pulse of what he wants or just barely keeping up. I asked another question. I said, tell me a spiritual low light in your walk. A different person answered, my low light are probably my complacency in my faith. So we're starting to see a little bit of a trend here. Now, these are not to poke fun at these people. um, But I'm obviously starting to see, because these are two different people entering. But I'm starting to see that complacency is a struggle. So then I asked question six, do you have any spiritual goals? If so, what are they? And these are the responses I got. I don't have any right now at the moment. I know a little redundant, but I wanted to quote them exactly how they put it. Um, not that I can really think of. And then I've never set any spiritual goals. Start thought. A spiritual goal is an invitation for the Spirit to guide. If you are feeling complacent, a spiritual goal will help you get out of that. And the Holy Spirit will guide you to that goal. You don't have to reach it on your own. See, we think spiritual goals are a little bit too hard to attain. Like, this is too difficult for me to get on my own. But it's never you achieving that on your own. Second Peter one twenty one says this, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So you are not called to reach any of those spiritual goals on your own. You are not called to do anything that you don't think you have the power to do on your own. You have the Holy Spirit, but you have to allow him to lead you to that place. So ask yourself a few of those questions. Ask yourself those questions. Not Not to guilt or shame you, but to challenge you and to be an encouraging reminder of what you are striving for as a Christian. You see, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. We just have to allow him to lead us and work in our lives like he wants to. That's the only way we can achieve uh, furthering the kingdom of God, um, growing in our faith. And we have to be intentional about it. 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time here this morning. We thank you for the ultimate price that you paid so that we could be with you in heaven, so that our sins would be cleansed, so that we would not have to live in eternal separation from you, that you paid the ultimate price so that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, because of that ultimate price, you sent the Holy Spirit to dwell among us. You sent the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in your absence. So Lord, we have to understand those three things. That when the Holy Spirit works inwardly, we can work outwardly. That the Holy Spirit is essential. It's not an add-on. And that For you to do those things, you have to be the ultimate authority figure in our lives. So, Lord, we just, we ask of you to come and help us reevaluate. Are you the ultimate authority in my life? Are you guiding my step? Are you leading me in my spiritual walk? Lord, we know that you have the power and you've given us the power to do things that we did not think was possible. And Lord, we ask that you uh, continue to use us on a daily basis, continue to help us grow on a daily basis, and continue to show us love and allow us to love others on a daily basis. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.